Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Idiom Brewing Company in Frederick, Maryland, and Havoc Brew Supply, your one-stop shop for your brewery's needs. Check them out at hophavoc.com. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I am joined by Josh Chapman, the founder of Black Narrows. I always forget to ask what the rest of it is. Black Narrows Brewing Company, Shingtig Island, Virginia. I, I always, uh, and we had the same exact conversation with the, this is the, so we'll also preface, this is the second live recording at Snallygaster on the DC Beer Podcast uh, tent. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you, DC Beer, and thank you, Snallygaster. But we also had a quick discussion on uh, how it is breweries decide whether they're going to go with beer company, brewing company, brewing and blending, or... So yes. how, how did you decide? Um, well, being on the Eastern Shore of Virginia, when we opened in 2017, we were the very first brewery on Virginia's Eastern Shore, which at the time was kind of an anomaly for the state. So trying to keep things as clear as possible. This is what we do. Okay. We are a brewing company. So did, when you opened, did you, was it an, is it an area where you had the struggle of like having to educate people what craft beer is? So, or is there already like a craft beer scene there? There's no craft beer scene really on the Eastern Shore. I wouldn't call it a struggle though, um, in the sense of craft beer, it, as far as I'm concerned, um, is, a, is a community-based values proposition. So it's not a struggle, it's a story that we get to tell, and it's yeah. a privilege to get to tell it over and over and over again. And we get to, the more we tell it and the bigger community we build, the more that story expands and kind of tells itself. So, so uh, there's certainly not a craft beer scene out there, but I feel like we're building the foundation of an understanding of what craft beer can be and should be. Which have have any other breweries opened since then? Or yeah. You? So we have. Uh, so now there's two on the Eastern Shore of Virginia. All to hold two. To hold two. <laughs> and ironically, actually, so the second brewery is in Cape Charles, which is on the very southern tip of the Eastern Shore of Virginia. We're in Chincoteague, which is almost the very northern tip of the Eastern Shore of Virginia. It's actually closer for me to go into Maryland to get to the next brewery than it is to actually see the other brewery okay. on the Eastern Shore of Virginia. It's, you know, they're an hour and 20 something minutes away. So we're working on trying to build more of a craft beverage trail up and down the Eastern Shore. Um, and I mean, we'll definitely talk about it, but with, with beer being so agricultural, the Eastern Shore of Virginia is just a, a it's a breadbasket of awesome agriculture, and the more that yeah, we can good, lean into it, yeah, it's good because it's very farm heavy. Oh yeah, through, yeah. throughout that area. I right? mean, it's predominantly farm. Uh, Chincoteague is one of the more populous areas on the Eastern Shore of Virginia, and our year-round population hovers around two thousand people. Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah. So so you rely a on tourism a lot, don't we you? We do. We do rely <laughs> on tourism a lot. Um, we also rely on distro in the off season. So kind of like any beach town, uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day, that's. That's when we make our hay yeah. on the on the premises. Um, we stay open year round because we're there for the community, not yeah. just you know um, uh, for the tourists, which was really important for us. But we do distribute you know a fair amount in the off season. Um, I used to brew in DC, so fortunately we've got good community here, um, and folks kind of know our story. So uh, try to get our stuff around as much as possible. So where did the name Black Narrows come from? So Black Narrows, it was initially. Um, going to be Weeping Willow Brewing Company, actually. Uh, there was a small florist on the island that we thought, my wife and I, when we were first doing this up, like, we'll do like a one-barrel brewery, we'll live upstairs, it'll be like this weird Hallmark movie, yeah. but plus beer. <laughs> um, 
But, uh, it, I mean, it, it grew from there. But I remember um, Mother Earth Brewing, actually, out of North Carolina, they had a Weeping Willow Wit. And I emailed them and, hey, just in case, would you have any issue? I mean, we don't distribute in the same place and we're out here. You wouldn't have an issue with that, would you? And they were like, oh, we would super sue you. Do Jeez. not do that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, thanks for letting me know. What so, size of a brewery are they? I mean, Mother Earth is a pretty pretty solid size i mean okay. they distribute you know at least at the time they were distributing fairly widely in north carolina but certainly not getting to virginia not yeah. where we were but um but yeah so kind of went back to the drawing board and I, it was actually in alexandria we were drinking coffee at a uh, killer esp um and i just pulled up a waterway map of shinkatega and the surrounding waterways uh -huh. um and our logo is this old bridge right Okay, I was it's it's abstract enough that I wasn't a hundred percent sure it yeah. was a bridge, but it, I mean, it's de it, I thought it was a bridge. Yeah. Which let me also add in, I love your branding. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Try to be minimal um, and just clean and fun yeah. and, and and understandable. But so the old bridge, um, it was the gatekeeper. I grew up living in D.C. Nova, uh, and Shinkatik is where we went for vacation all the time. Um, it's a quick three-hour drive from here, and it's. Everybody asks, like, oh, is it crazy? You take 50 to 13 to Shinkatig Road, that's the directions. That's literally <laughs> it. And you're there. It's that simple. Um, You'll be surrounded by 2,000 whole people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They wave and greet you when you come <laughs> over the bridge. They're so happy to have you. Um, but um, the bridge is gone now, but for years and years, it was what they call a swing span bridge, right? So it's one of those that twists oh, as a, 90 when, degrees. Whenever a boat would go through. Exactly. But... Being a bridge that twists, not raises, um, it meant that they, like any any boat with a tall antenna, um, caused the bridge to spin, oh, which was every yeah. boat in Shinkatique. So anytime you're trying to get like on the every island. Every chartered fishing boat. Oh, and every, every, every single time. Little scow boat, big antenna, the bridge turns and you're stuck. But <laughs> for us, it was such a symbol of like the anticipation of getting to this place that was home and felt great. Um, so uh, the bridge is now about five or six years since it's been dis disassembled. Um, but for us, it was the gatekeeper. And right before that bridge is the Black Narrows. And it's this beautiful little waterway. And between the Black Narrows waterway, the bridge itself, um, that for us was like, it was the, the threshold that we crossed to get to what for us felt like home. So That's an awesome story. I, I, I'm always disappointed when I ask like a brewery where their name came from and it was like, oh, we drew it from a hat. <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. We had a magic eight ball <laughs> yeah, and it was If like, it's anything for like the, I would say probably two to three minute explanation you gave, I'm always disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned brewing somewhere else. How, like, what is your background? How did you get into brewing and what... What let? What was your path to opening a brewery? Super, super standard brewing path. I was a pastor. Oh yeah, um, that, I you think know. at least eighty percent of the people I talk yeah, to definitely. start out as pastors. Definitely, it's it's the you know <laughs> it's the farm system for yeah. beer is is the ministry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so no, I was a pastor, um, and then I was a chef, um, and now a brewer. So um, uh, although, believe it or not, I I am almost positive. I've had a guest on before that did go through the ministry. Honestly, <laughs> well, and we'll get to it, but I, I don't find them to be disassociated at all, depending yeah. on how you... But just like... How you the, view ministry. The, sam the sample size is much smaller. Yes, it is. Just many yeah, people it is. Who go through. Then it's funny. I feel like there are more like... Uh, 
aeronautic engineers that have become brewers than there are actual Probably, pastors, yeah. you know? Engineering is definitely... Well, I mean, being... The, the most of my guests are in the local area. Right. It skews a little bit, but there are definitely lots of engineers, lots of people in finance, a lot of people in IT. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of, because I'm right outside of D.C., a lot of people who worked in politics. Yeah, totally. No, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so was a pastor for years, actually in the, in the Northern Virginia area. Um, and when my wife and I got married, <clears throat> a buddy of mine and I, actually moved to Denver. What denomination? Non-denominational, okay. actually, yeah. Um, moved to Denver to start a church, non-denominational. Um, so planted a church in Denver, um, which was a wild ride. Um, and it was fantastic. About a year and a half into the church finally being open, um, I just, I hit burnout. Um, and it was funny because a lot of people ask me, oh, you left your faith. No, I just, I was tired of taking I a page. changed it. Was trying to taking a paycheck from Jesus, like yeah. you know, like so. Um, so was looking for something else to do, and we're in Denver, right? Um, my dad and I—I'm the oldest of five. Um, he had a really rare type of lung cancer when I was 11. I spent most of my 11-year-old year in the ICU with my mom, watching my dad's you know lungs get pumped and just just some crazy stuff. Um, when he finished chemo, or when he was doing chemo. He lost so much weight, dangerous weight, because he couldn't taste anything. So um, everybody makes lasagna, right, in the neighborhood to feed people. And you get tired of lasagna. We had uh, Cajun neighbors, the Broussards. Um, they made jambalaya one night, and my dad could actually taste it. And he started eating, which was a huge deal. But he couldn't cook. He was too weak to cook. My yeah. mom, God bless her, makes three solid things. Like, that's <laughs> the repertoire. It's... Cream tuna on biscuits, which I promise is actually like okay. It does it's actually not sound okay. okay. I know it's, it sounds a little weird. It's biscuits and gravy, just yeah. using canned tuna. Like it's it's correlative. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so cream tuna on biscuits, um, like chicken stir fry, and then she. I, I, I'm sentimental about it, but it's ground beef and rice. <laughs> it's just white rice, ground beef. Maybe it sees the salt shaker. That's it. I don't know. My mom is not not a very adventurous cook. My um, um my eight year old sings the praises of my scrambled eggs. See, that's you, that's you know where what? my uh, culinary skills end. Hey, scrambled eggs <laughs> easy to screw up. So no, I think you're you're crushing if you're doing good on scrambled eggs. Um, so so he wasn't able to eat, but he needed to eat. He he could taste Cajun food. So. It was formative for us. I started being his hands in the kitchen. We learned to cook Cajun food together so that he could eat and get through chemo and keep weight and stuff. So cooking was always, um, it was always a passion of mine and something that was really formative. So left the ministry and went straight to culinary school uh, out in Denver, Johnson & Wales, um, and started staging at some restaurants out there. Found my way into an incredible restaurant, actually because of Twitter of all things and Twitter at this point I mean we're talking 2010 still fairly young for Twitter right yeah so my wife was like that chef Frank Bonanno he's amazing you should tweet him and tell him that you want to go stage at his restaurant it's like that's a terrible idea he's gonna think I'm an idiot I tweet him and he's like show up so I showed up that's awesome um, and I was managing a Starbucks from 430 in the morning till noon and then I would go to culinary school from noon to five, and then I would show up at the restaurant, and they that for uh, for every weekend 
for eight months, I sat on a, a milk crate next to the ice machine and peeled potatoes for free. That just was the get, job. Just to get peel, peel to potatoes. Peel potatoes. Awesome. Prove to us that you'll do the work. Um, and I ended up getting. Eventually, I got on the crew there. Um, just a fantastic restaurant. Uh, I mean, he worked for um, um, Thomas Keller at the French Laundry. Like so, the you know his lineage was great. I got to learn from some fantastic people. Right around that ta- same time frame when Brian Voltaggio was yes. on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one was he on? Top Chef. I think or, it was Top Chef. Or, and. Uh, I, my wife and I were laying in bed, and I tweeted something at him. And he's also fr- he's from Frederick. Well, I was gonna say yeah. And she's like, "Do you really think he's going to reply to you?" <laughs> like, two minutes later, he he responded to me. I was like, "Yes, I do think he will," because there's hardly anyone on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. You <laughs> yeah. miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't make, right? Yeah. Indian Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Great beer starts with great ingredients. At Havoc Brewing Supply, they offer a wide selection of premium hops, fruit purees, malt, cleaning supplies, and more. Their family-owned business is dedicated to helping you create the perfect beer. Havoc offers flexible contracts, lightning-fast shipping, and unrivaled customer service. Join the Havoc Brewing Supply family and elevate your brewing game. Shop small, brew big, grow together. Visit HavocBrewingSupply.com today to learn more. Um, so yeah, so cooked for a long time. We found out we were pregnant with uh, with our first little girl. Um, and uh, for one shining moment in time, my family was all here. Her family was all here. We're both the oldest. It was like first grandbaby thing. So yeah. we moved back to the D.C. area. Um, but I had homebrewed for the very first time in Denver. Solid with price. what? With what? Well, yeah, how'd you... So, was actually, it was the sous chef that I was working for took me home uh, with him and my oh, wife. Dan- so, so, it was real, like, actual, like, real... Oh, we were brewing. on the stove, like, homebrewing, okay. you know, like... Because the... I have a running theory that a very high percentage of breweries in this country can trace their roots back to Mr. Beer. There, I would say at least eighty yeah. percent yeah. of these stories of the people I've interviewed accessibility is man, that, right? uh, especially older, uh, older yeah. guests, yeah, definitely the brewers that have been around longer. Yep. it's their girlfriends yeah. or their they their got parents, it for Christmas or, or their yeah, birthday. Someone or bought them a yeah. Mr. Beer kit, and yeah, totally. that's how that's what lit the bug for brewing. No, um, uh, Royce Oliveira, awesome chef, still cooking out in Denver. Um, he he knew what he was doing. He had the whole setup. So, but how uh, how was that first batch? But it's not fair if you had someone who was a home brewer. Well, yeah. So it wasn't my first batch. Yeah. Like I got to be a part of a home brew. So it was it was delicious. Uh, but for me, it was it was total. Uh, you've seen Hook. Yeah, yeah. The masterpiece that is Hook, right? <laughs> um, I had an apostrophe, right? Like lightning struck my brain. It was total light bulb <laughs> moment. I was like, it is time. It is time to make beer for a living. 
Well, and for me, it was the. I I uh, hi Will Rivera, my my good friend Will. It, with, Will has never done a real episode like this. Really? But at beer festivals, uh, like at brewers' parties, I do episodes where I just ask stupid questions. I Will mean, Will is prolific on those, and in the ten minutes that he's on at a time, he drops more f bombs than than all three hundred previous episodes. Do I've you done have to? Combined. Do you have to bleep that or no? No, I don't care. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> at some I, point I didn't know if it was just but, a bit where he was like, "I'm gonna make Chris's life so <laughs> fucking hard right now." But it it. It, it, it crossed the threshold pretty quickly where I felt like I, I had to click contains explicit language. <laughs> <laughs> Always. One. And, and I, I asked Alan if he was going to come on again. Alan from Fidens. No, he told me no way. Without hesitation. No way. There was no way no he way. was. <laughs> he doesn't like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go back to Black Narrows. You no. you you did your 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 first homebrew. You got did struck by brew, lightning. Struck by lightning. <laughs> um, well, and it was everything that I loved about um, cooking. It was everything I, I I really enjoyed about ministry. It was creation. Yeah. Um, and in the kitchen, right? Cook it, serve it. Cook it, serve it. Cook it, serve it. It doesn't get better. Like the process is over. But in beer, as the brewer. You're a part of the process, like it's alive, and you get to you get to be a part of that life and, and that evolution and watch it grow and change. And that for me was just uh, it was magic. So moved back to DC because we're having the first grandkid, and I look for a uh, a place to cook that's beer and food focused, which yeah. again at the time was still kind of nascent, right? Yeah. It was all wine and food, but not really beer and food. So no big shocker, I find Church Key. I find Neighborhood Restaurant Group, right? I find Greg Engert and all the stuff that they're doing. Um, and Greg was actually the first person I met uh, before I started cooking within okay. NRG. I met him outside of Blue, uh, Church Key. I staged a Church Key uh, at that time with Kyle Bailey. Um, and Greg was outside. And it's funny because uh, at that time he was still smoking, not smoking anymore. But it was still like standard Greg, you know, like super like running around, like answering way too many things on his phone. The, the like, most intense look that anyone could have on their face ever. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, hey, I'm Josh. I'm here for a stage. All like crackly voice, you know, and he's just looking at me like, go upstairs. What are you doing? Like, why are you coming to the front door? Go to the back door. You should know this by now, right? So, um, but yeah, so stage to uh, church key. Um, and it was funny because. They had an entry-level position. Kyle was like, yeah, come on in. And I was you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff. And we got done with the night. And he was like, buddy, I love you. I think you'd be great here. My entry-level position is making pizza dough all day. Like, you need to not be here. We will find you something else in the restaurant group. And I was like, there's no way this guy's going to find me something else. I got a call five days later. Like, hey, we got a, we got a soup position open in Del Rey. Go cook for us. So ended up at Evening Star Cafe. Um, cooked for a long time. And then found out that they were opening a brewery, which is Blue Jacket, right? Uh, so I begged, borrow, and stole my way onto that opening crew. It was Megan Parisi and Bobby Bump and me. Um, it was amazing. Got to learn. So probably amount. the only... I, it's been forever since I've been to Blue Jacket or had yeah. their beer. Um, I probably had beer then made by you because yeah. it was the original days when, uh, oh, yeah. when yeah, I was I there. Mean, so I was there 2013 yeah. to like 2017. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it was it actually was a lot. I went to a Nats game and I went to Blue Jacket beforehand and nice. had again. So that wasn't the only time. <laughs> that's that's the right time to go. 
No. So, yeah. So, was there for a long time. Learned a ton. Um, but Megan, our opening brewer, she left about three months after we opened. And then Bobby left six months after that. And they were like, all right, Josh, make it go. <laughs> You're the head brewer now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, so, I had to rely on my culinary background. I didn't have the traditional, you know, like you're on the packaging line and then you move your way up, whatever. Yeah. So for me, it was always, okay, well, it's ingredient and season first and work backwards from there, um, which was fantastic. And honestly... So do you work from... Do you, do you kind of work backwards then? Yes. Where you have, you have the taste you want in your mind and then build it from there? Yeah, it's, it's definitely like composed bite, composed sip most often. Yeah. Um, or... It's working backwards from an ingredient and trying to figure out what it is that, I don't know, that can express and I can showcase. Yeah, because I feel like um, talking to brewers, where like there's definitely a lot of brewers with cook, uh, chef yeah. backgrounds yeah. or just culinary backgrounds in general. Yep. They, they have a slightly different approach sometimes to recipe development. Certainly not stylistic. Right, it's not like a BJCP. I'm trying to hit, you know, uh, Southern German Pilsner. Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do, um, which isn't. It, it there's no right or wrong, right? Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So it, it was a great training ground for me, which I think is kind of my bent anyway. Um, <laughs> We're at that time of the festival when it's you hear more glass uh, breaking. The zombies are walking around, and you hear the glass breaking i will say i'm pretty proud i'm not seeing a whole lot of beer zombies right now right yeah. i mean like we've been to a few snallies there's been wheelbarrow zombies not walking <laughs> zombies there's been push them down the road <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true kept them alive right it's like sitting in an ice bath Keep yeah it, it caused a, a little delay on people going too hard <laughs> right <laughs> uh but yeah so so certainly work backwards from from either an ingredient or a concept and, you know, go from there. So you re uh, essentially then have NRG to thank for your Yeah, absolutely. Your path, uh... No, I mean, they are, they're family um, still. Um, I, I, I love them dearly and um, I'm just so, so appreciative of, and it's part and parcel to what they do. Um, I mean, even Greg, and he could tell you, like, the trust and faith they put in Greg when he was a bartender at Roost Co. with a literature degree. Yeah, yeah he... And now we're sitting at Snallygaster, right? Because they do a great job of believing in people's abilities and, and, and capacity and giving them the space to run, which yeah, that's Recognizing space. the potential and fostering it. But it costs money. It costs time. I mean, it's a huge risk to just believe on people and let them run with something. Yeah. Um, and but when you hit a home run doing that, absolutely. you have... Yeah. You, you hit a grand slam. Absolutely, no, totally. Um, so yeah. how how long um, were you brewing? Where you thought like I definitely want to just open my own brewery, or was that always? I mean, from uh, I, I would gather from wanting to start your own ministry yeah. that you like you just I like, have that I like starting yeah. things. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know that I knew that I wanted to start my own brewery super fast, but. Um, I mean, my wife and I, we got married on the beach on Chicken Dick 17 years ago. So, like, she fell in love with it shortly after, you know, we yeah. started dating. So, it was always one of those, one day on Chicken Dick, we'll do something. And when I became a brewer, 
and there were none on the shore, it almost felt like there was a responsibility to say, like, we want to be the first one so we could set the bar for this is what a, a brewery should be, not just yeah. in, in the quality of the beer, but also the quality of how we took care of our community. Yeah. Um, so probably not shortly thereafter did it feel like, man, it'd be cool one day on Chincoteague. And then different kind of things fell into place and it started to become more of a possibility, you know? Um, so eventually we just started looking for spaces. Calling all whiskey fans, our friends at Maryland Distillers Guild and Grow and Fortified have curated an unforgettable experience for you. Get ready for Rye Revival, celebrating Maryland's whiskey heritage. The festivities kick off on Friday, November 10th with the Maryland's Rye Symposium. This conference-style event features a diverse lineup of speakers, including whiskey writers, professionals, and world-renowned distillers. Following the fun of the symposium, the festivities continue at Friday Night Rye. This grand whiskey tasting features whiskey, rye, and bourbon from 10 Maryland producers and guest producers Catoctin Creek Distilling, George Dickel, and Whistlepig Whiskey. Your whiskey weekend continues with scheduled engagements at Maryland Distilleries. For tickets and details, please visit ryerevival.com. Get ready for a full day of pure Maryland flavor. Join the Uncapped Podcast and our friends at BAM at the Baltimore Craft Beer Festival on November 4th at Canton Waterfront Park. Savor local brews, groove to live music, and explore amazing vendors. Secure your spot now at BaltimoreCraftBeerFestival.com. Cheers to a taste-filled day. Um, so what size, uh, are, are you still working with the same equipment that you opened with? Yep, or have still you, working with the same equipment we opened with. So we opened with a... F- Technically a five barrel system. Um, right. I can actually get kind of six and a half out of it depending on the, the gravity of the beer. Yeah. Um, it's a really weird system. Um, I am not one of those engineers, right? The start of the brewery. <laughs> um, so we're in an old oyster shucking house, um, which is so Shingatig, um, which is fantastic. And we chose it on purpose because of that um, and, and a lot of other reasons. It had giant walk in coolers already, um, you know, and it was, it was already zoned industrial, but what I didn't realize was the building, I mean, it's on an island. It's floated. It's on stilts, right? Okay. So I thought, like, it's concrete. Concrete holds up. It's fantastic, right? And it I doesn't. had my layout. Yeah. <laughs> not when it's off the ground. Yeah. So I'm talking to the engineers. I show them the plans, and they're mm-hmm. like, That's not going to work. Doing? It's going to crack all over the place. Like, well, why? It's concrete. And they're like, It's not on the ground, ding dong. Like, what are you thinking? So we had to go back to the drawing board. Um,. Our GC had to get under the building and dig and install a new footer between every existing footer, which they don't make machines for that. They only make tiny shovels for that. So you just crawl underneath the building and (laughs) dig little holes and dump a bunch of concrete that you mixed outside. So it was a nightmare for them and I felt terrible. Um, But even with that, we had a certain amount of weight capital we could expend without the floor totally collapsing. So um, we had to do ostensibly a brew in a bag system on a commercial scale. So it's a one pot, like uh, mash, kettle, louder. Is it a German system? No, it's not, because oh, they didn't even have, I mean, we're talking oh, about okay. 2015 at this gotcha. point, right? So it's a Colorado Brewing Systems okay. system. Because there, there's a place in Frederick, or yeah. just outside of yeah. Frederick, that has yep. uh, a German-built system. No, that's I wish same. it was a German-built system. Yeah, no. <laughs> Actually, the company we got it from is has been out of business for a few years now. Good Beer Hunting has a great article on them and how they stole a bunch of people's money and like locked the doors and turned the lights off and left in the middle of the night. So, oh, geez. Yeah, we were fortunate just to get equipment actually to show up. So did they have, uh, did they have that type of 
vessel already designed that yeah. they were selling? Okay. Yeah, they basically did like brew-in-a-bag systems, you know, stainless steel brew-in-a-bag systems yeah. for homebrew, and they just scaled it way up. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, you know, I, I can hold roughly 280 gallons in it to the brim, and it's got two big stanchions and a, you know, uh, giant, you know, chain hoist, and it just lifts the basket up and out, like roll it over, tip it, dump all the grain out, so. Does that, does that make it harder uh, for certain styles of beer yeah, or their yeah. high gravity stuff yeah, is like a big stout I would yeah big stouts are just really really hard however it also enables us to do some really cool things that other systems couldn't so um, we did a cold brew coffee Schwartz beer one time right because I have a giant filter basket I just I waited until it was winter kept the heat off in the brew house and I made 250 gallons of cold brew coffee. Okay. Came in the next morning, and raised just the basket up, the... dumped the grounds out, right? And just mashed yeah. into 250 gallons of cold brew coffee. So, like, all of the brewing liquid was That had already to be the most coffee. coffee, coffee beer ever. I mean, I did... diluted it down, obviously. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't, yeah, because it was going to be. It was going to be, like, just drinking alcoholic coffee. But, it, but... It, it, did it... Uh, did it taste very different? Because, I mean, that that's obviously a very different process than how a coffee beer yeah. is done. I mean, it, or did it turn it, out very different than your typical? Well, I mean, so it was a coffee Schwartz, so it already had that going for it. But honestly, for me, it was just a, it tasted like a coffee Schwartz beer, you know? Um, and so it does. It does some really cool stuff for us. Like we do, it basically functions as a hop back. I can drop hops in. I can drop the basket down, okay. yank it up, set it like... I can immediately yank stuff out. We do a beer with the Nature Conservancy every year using pine needles and branches in a West Coast IPA. We load the mash basket with it at Whirlpool, drop oh, it down. We wait until we see the color change in the needles, and then we yank them up and roll them out, and they're donezo. So it took a long time to get used to how to brew on it because it's so unorthodox. But um, there are certainly there's a, another side of the coin that we've found to be really useful. So, but it's awesome that like where there may be some limitations on you, you found the ways that you can uniquely benefit from yeah. the design of it. Well, I mean, and that's honestly the main job of brewing is just yeah, figuring, figuring out, it out how to make it work. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Figure it out and fix it. That's that's basically what you do in brewing. So, I mean, making the beer is the easiest part. So, so are you all um, five barrel fermenters or no? Uh, so we have two six barrel fermenters okay. and then three ten barrel. Um, two, uh, the four of them are all cylindroconical, and then one of the ten barrels is a horizontal open fermenter. Okay. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So you, you do a lot of spontaneous. Yeah, we were or... pouring a spontaneous today. Um, we do uh, at least a couple spontaneous every year. Um, I love open fermentation. I mean, again, for me, uh, the living aspect of beer and how yeast, like you and I, performs differently under different pressures and different environments, right? taking all that pressure off of yeast especially for so like we do lager in the open fermenter um and watching watching a beautiful lager get to express its nuances that much more because it's horizontal open no pressure lots of surface area it's a it's a really fun thing to get to use so yeah we had a we had a really good conversation about uh cool ships yeah the fir first uh, episode we recorded with Schilling and uh Zolt cool ships are uh there's a really cool one a blue jacket here in dc um they're fantastic and it's neat to use them for more than just spontaneous stuff because again you get to see yeah with some more not necessarily standard but some more um some less sour more just straight firm stuff what what that'll do to it so and it's just a, a, a great way to make something that's 
completely unique to your brewery because yeah. no one else is going to have yeah the 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 same stuff growing and exactly flourishing in the the environment well what was cool is like so again old oyster shucking brewery um so the brew house is behind two double doors that we dutched on the front deck of the brewery so like people get to watch the open fermentation the open fermenter is right against those double doors so you just get to open the doors up oh, people nice. walk over and they're like what is that like that is beer it is <laughs> making itself right now so that's so what um what do you consider to be like the specialty of Black Narrows? What do you, what do you really? I mean, I think what we're known on? for is oysters, oyster beer. Uh, okay. We do an oyster beer all the time, um, and it's not an oyster stout. We actually didn't make our first oyster stout until we were a year old, um, but we do an oyster goza all the time, ostensibly an oyster goza, goza inspired. <clears throat> so um, when a brewery makes a real oyster beer. What does that entail? Because I think the only experience I have with ones is uh, like where it was just a token oyster thrown in to cl- make the claim. And I don't want to be like Mr. Purist because I don't brew to style and we use all sorts, like we use seaweed and all sorts of weird <laughs> stuff in beer. So I, I certainly have no space to talk there. But I do get a little ornery when I see people like, oh, we did an oyster beer. We brewed a 20 barrel batch. We put in 50 oysters. I'm like, that is not, that's not an oyster beer, man. That's just not it. Um, I mean, like any ingredient, like you want to, it needs to have a presence, right? Um, so for me, an oyster beer is certainly a proportional thing, but also um, like oyster stout. It was about oyster shells buffering the acidity of roasted grain, right? It, okay. was a, it was a mineral addition, not really about adding minerality and salt to the beer, right? We didn't have calcium just, you know, Chloride so are the them. oysters still in it, or are they already shocked and it's just the shell? So for what we use, I don't want the minerality of the shell. I want salt and some depth of flavor from the actual oyster. Okay. So we only use the oyster flesh. Okay, um, so you, you shock them first and then add So the-, the neat thing is, well, it's actually, I got the little can here. Um, so these are the guys, Billy and Tommy, right? So we work with their packing house, Tom's Cove Aqua Farms. Label, too. Thank you. Um, we try to make sure that we put the people behind the beer in front of the customer all the time because beer is a value-added product we get to play with the hard work of a lot of other people all the time yeah they they should be front and center um but you know so they uh when they're packing pints of oysters for customers customers don't want a whole bunch of oyster juice they want the oysters so they can go make fritters or chowder or whatever but all that oyster juice that's that's beautiful filtered seawater it's ocean essence and it's where all the salt is and it gets dumped down the drain. And it's a food product, it shouldn't get dumped down the drain, yeah. but like there's just no consumer use for it. Um, so we work with them and they save for us, tablespoon by tablespoon, oyster by oyster, that shucking liquor. So for a 10 barrel batch, we use 10 gallons of shucking liquor. Which probably takes them forever to- It's like 2,500 oysters to get <laughs> 10 gallons of shucking liquor. So, um, but again, for us, it's great. That's what brewing, in community yeah, for you me, eliminate, really looks like, eliminate right? a waste exactly and, uh, and support and a, a local manufacturer yeah. you know and support the culture and history of the island at the same time so so for me I'm not going to say that that's how everybody has to do an oyster beer but if you're going to say it's an oyster beer you should be able to taste some aspect of what the oyster brings to a beer so like it doesn't have to like uh, uh, Bearded Iris 
uh, Thursday night, there was an awesome Oyster South event, Benefiting Oyster South, incredible organization. And they did an Oyster Schwartz, right? And they used 100 pounds of oysters in their Schwartz. And there was like a distinct and noticeable minerality to that beer um, that hugely, uh, you know, accompanied what a Schwartz already is. It was fantastic. It didn't taste like oysters, but there was there was a different structure to that beer and a different minerality to that beer than a typical Schwartz has. That's an oyster beer, right? Honor the ingredient. Yeah. If you're honoring the ingredient, if it's not like you like, it's easy to tell. And I appreciate consumers know. Like consumers can smell a gimmick, right? Yeah, yeah. Versus and yours is clearly something. not a gimmick. The no. ones I've had were definitely a gimmick. I well, won't throw shade at who the brewery was. Well, and again, and I don't like it was literally it's one of those either, things like, where you know it'd be like a sixty-barrel batch, yeah, and they threw a couple oysters yeah. into it. <laughs> well, and again, for me, it's not about like. It's not about oh being a purist and this is how it should be yeah. done. For me, it's about no, like if you're yeah, honor honor the gimmick, hard work that people a, are yeah. doing to get this thing to you. Yeah. Right. So that's and more making it what it really is and not just a gimmick. Yes. Well, and the pastor and me. So, that's where I, I get all yeah. you know like no 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 no. So people worked you, hard for that. Um, do you make other ones also, or is it the the so you have the With oysters and that yeah yeah so we do. We do um, uh, we do an oyster stout once a year for our anniversary. Okay. It's an imperial oyster stout. Um, it's still a non-standard oyster stout in the sense of like, there's no shell in that. We actually still don't use shell. Yeah, yeah. We use the exact same proportion of oysters we use in the Goza in the stout. It's an 11% stout typically. We age it in local bourbon barrels and we use the yeast that we use for the oyster beer, the, the, the Goza, which is a yeast that we cultivated off of a Shinkadig oyster. Uh, so it's a naturally occurring yeast off an oyster that's very saisonny. So it's more like a Belgian oyster stout that's got great minerality and salinity to it. Um, so we do that. We've done a couple other like one-off oyster things, but for the most part, we really stick to salts all the time. And then that that they, oyster they've stout really once a year. turned that stage up. <laughs> yeah, they did. There must be a party going on down there now. <laughs> I like it. We're getting close to the end. Um. That I, I love the story of that beer. That's uh, awesome. Do you uh, so do you do you delve into the realm of like hype categories, or do you stick with traditional? Like so, I don't delve into the realm of hype categories, and it's not running a brewery and being successful is really really hard. Yeah. So I have no. Um, uh, not that I'm going to say hype, but like the guys from Celestial just walked by, right? Yeah, yeah. They make some awesome, much more hypey beers, right? They're so genuine about it, though. It's on purpose. It's with intention. They put their heart and their soul into it. Like, for me, that's not that's not hypey, right? That's They're awesome at it, and they crush it, and they're intentional with it. Yeah. So for me, I kind of I can't brew hypey beers because of the vision and the mission that we have at the brewery which is to to highlight the land and waters of the eastern shore the people and places like you know that, that work that so how am i going to make a hype how, how would i meet a hypey beer we make really we make fruited sours you know but they're fully firmed out local fruit yeah. like spawn yeast stuff like that so the, the tastes seem to be turning a little bit more back to that though. yeah that yeah. well, I don't. I don't. Th I don't want to say turning back. The popularity of those have started to come back. Where it was like 
Especially if, lagers right now. If are you, really- yeah, yeah, especially lagers. But I mean, like, when, in the sour category, that for so long, the, like, just a fruit smoothie became synonymous with calling something a sour. That's true. And if you handed yeah. someone, yeah. like, an actual fermented through... A sour that actually had a low pH. Yeah, they didn't like, like it. Whoa, what are you? Yeah, but now it's starting to people are enjoying those more again. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I would say it's not too dissimilar than like people entering with IPAs years ago into craft beer and then finding their way to something else, right? Like, yeah, yeah. if smoothie sour is an entry beer for folks in the craft beer, awesome. Because I mean, we're human beings. We we get tired of things. We move on to other yeah. things. Like the same people that. But we always go back to the. <laughs> right? You know, like, which. But I think it's neat to be innovative, to learn new things, to explore and, and, and create. So, I don't know. Um, do, do you do a lot of loggers also? A lot of loggers. A lot of loggers. Okay. Love. I mean. Yeah, I, th- I think that's um, uh, Ben. Ben Little, friend of the show, is yeah. who recommended having Josh on because he said that actually he was one of the very first people he listened because I, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I, I get to record these podcasts or Sally like, yeah. or who should I have on? And I think it was like you were the second name he listed. Awesome. It's like just genuinely that. an amazing guy. No, and it's too nice. Um, and I assume it's probably because he loves your loggers also. Yeah, I mean, especially as a brewer, the nice thing for me being on Shingateague we're the only brewery, not just on the island, but for, you know, 45, 50 minutes, either direction at least, you know? Yeah. So I can kind of brew what I want to, to, you know, like, how mad can people be when they come in? Like, oh, four loggers, are you kidding me? So. Well, I think I've, I've, have we left out any important parts of the Black Narrows story before I invite Will and Alan to come up here with us? Um... I don't think so because I'm really excited to get these these jokers up here and and, and listen to what they have right. to say. Will is going to promise to scale back the f bombs to maybe like twenty for twenty five percent. Alan, you're in charge of keeping them in check. Come on up here. Awesome. <laughs> Means I can stop talking for a second and drink a yeah. beer too, suckers. So yeah. So see, Alan told me no. But I told him he would be here. <laughs> There's a switch on there you have to turn on. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, you're there, Will. I'm here, all right. We're Hold good. back on the F-bombs. Full jangles in my hand. Some definitive uh, tiny pills. I have a splash of that. Yeah, of course. That's good. I had his corn beer earlier. I'll tell you what. One of the best fucking beers I had today. You could have said start, that sentence start, without an F. Starting off. I'm sorry, but yes. Hey, no, that it is. Was and I was. Our, our corn beer earned it. I will say. He had to come out strong. What I'm just saying is, don't make me put an explicit tag on Josh's episode. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. I'm We're a family friendly brewery. I'm sorry. My kids can't listen to it now, man. I've never said a bad word in front of my kids. Oh, uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> If if I drop any explicit language in front of my eight year old, she goes off on me. Oh no way! Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, mine, so. mine, do, mine do too, but I, it's a problem for me. I. You it's think a this no? Is, see, my so my wife is actually the sailor in the house, right? 
<laughs> I know it's surprising. Well, and it, it didn't happen until she married me, but I could turn it on and off, and she can't. So I totally that I did that to her. But so we've got a twelve, a five, and a two-year-old, right? I say, damn it, like that's my thing, that's right? Like, like, a, like an old yep. dad, right? Oh, freaking yep. car, damn it, whatever. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, and she can drop everything known to man, but my five-year-old, my five-year-old only knows. Damn it. And she was, uh, there's a joke, right? Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Moo. Right? That whole thing, right? <laughs> yes. So so she's five and she sees her. I love it. that Will genuinely laughed at that. It's, it's <laughs> a funny I'm, joke. I'm a dad. I'm a dad. You know that, right? I'm a dad. I'm a dad. Yeah. So, so she comes up to me and she's so excited because she learned it somewhere and she's like, Daddy, knock, knock. And she's got like the little five year old lifts too, right? Yeah. Daddy, knock, knock. Who's there? And she's like, interrupted cow. And I was like, interrupted cow who? She's like, moo. Damn it. <laughs> That's amazing. I couldn't even turn oh. away to laugh. I just laughed straight. It was amazing. Yeah, no, she wanted to kill me. And I'm like, really? My, I, I do one. One at home. And of you course. One. That's it. But, but I got to say, I was proud because she used it so. It was, it was the right usage. Yeah, right, right like, time too. She, nailed it. Yeah, she nailed it. She the blew only, it. The only time she my owned kids it. have sworn were the, as parents, the exact same thing. We can laugh at it, and then the other half is like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. That's the yeah. problem. Like, really? There is yeah. no way your kids don't swear. They definitely swear. <laughs> <laughs> I get emails sometimes, and I'm like. Yeah, I, I kind of fucked up on this one. <laughs> that's definitely hey, on me. That's on yeah, that's on that's me, on teacher. Me. That's on me. I'll, I'll own that one. Sorry, that's don't me. don't blame them. It's nope, that's definitely me. That's so funny. I try my best. So, Alan, how quickly did you run out of beer today? Because you had an impressive line all day long at Fiden's. The uh, I, I think we ran out probably around four o'clock. I'm not sure too too much. I, I, I don't. I don't really know. It just it, happened. It yeah. looked like around four because I remember seeing like there were all these like shining, smiling faces, and then they went crestfallen. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> the I think fine. <laughs> I actually cut the line and just went behind the booth. And of course you did. Yeah, the usual. The usual. But the I tried. Was fire, though. I tried Always. to do the same thing. Alan just straight up kicked me. Oh. Out of the way. <laughs> there was the the line was. Um, intimidating and we were really just trying to get as many people their beers fast as possible and it was just like holy fuck keep the mic a little closer to your face there it is that's See, right good alan good uh, old alan comes up here alone. and he starts dropping he starts f-bombs, f-bombs i'm sorry that's because you hung out with will too long before this and that's the only Bad word you've influence. heard for the last hour correct <laughs> i love you guys so how uh it, I love drunk people. They're amazing. Oh, they're the best. I love yeah. getting booed, actually. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a great heckle. I used uh, to, before the rain, there'd be people laid out in the streets here. <laughs> now that it's raining, nobody wants to lay out no more. So. Nope. Nope. So, Alan, how uh, how long ago did the tap room open? That, it's within uh, a month or two, right? It's, I want to say it was like four months ago, roughly. Oh, that's, oh yeah, because it was like right after together, Mark together, Beginning of summer. Lie, it's been crazy. Beginning of summer, actually, yeah. So um, it's been great. We opened it up. Uh, the staff kills it. Um, people seem to be happy, and it's, it's, it's well. People it's can more easily get your beer now. 
Yeah, you can. We even do online ordering. It sells out sometimes pretty quick. Yeah. Anniversary week was a little crazy. Um, but generally speaking, you can come in and grab some beer to go. We don't put it all online, just a small portion. And then we just release the rest in-house. What what days a week are you are you open all week long? Uh, Wednesday or? through Sunday. Okay. We, we we use Monday and Tuesday to package and try to get beer down there. Uh, then we bring beer down throughout the week as well, depending on what is being released and how much beer we have. So when are you going to record a full Fidens episode with me? Ah, that's the question right now. <laughs> Uh, I was actually just here for moral support for Will. <laughs> so. He was trying to stop me from doing F-bombs the whole entire episode. Yeah. So so that's the move. You just got to get him on. And, and that's Will Rivera thing. from Dream State. I didn't uh, introduce him properly, but everyone knows that voice. No, from fucking Dream State. Yeah. <laughs> He's the king. From fucking Dream State. That's right. So eventually, you know what I'm thinking? When we come down to do an event at Fightings, I'll call you. We'll do a full Fightings episode, hopefully, with All right. Alan and Steve up there. And All right, we can do that. I don't, I don't know why you're so nervous about it. You did great when you were on for Stupid Questions. I mean, that was actually really fun. That was what? <laughs> that was really fun. See? And I, uh, Josh, did you have fun? I had a great first? time. See? All it's already been did. an hour. It's, it's crazy how fast it goes. It is actually. It goes by pretty quick. It really does. Yeah. Especially with all the f bombs in there. Although, although I'm, I'm harassing yeah, Alan here, and we still haven't recorded a Dream State episode. I know, and I've known you forever. So. And, you, and, and Will owns that also because he blows me off all the time. <laughs> Yo, pressure's I have a potty on. Mouth. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best <laughs> not to curse at half these episodes. You, you are doing. You're doing great. Thank you. I appreciate this, uh, that. This time around. I'm very proud of you. I'm trying my best. Like, these F-bombs kill me sometimes. And um, I'm not drunk enough yet to drop all the F-bombs. So, <laughs> At the nice. Mortalis party, you definitely were. Oh, Mortalis. I mean, stouts, sours, heavy duty. Yeah. Triple IPAs, double IPAs. Right. Yeah, it got me. <laughs> He also did two, though, because he, he hopped on with me. That's right. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah, double the F-bombs. Well, he was much worse for yours than for... <laughs> much worse. About that, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much for telling your story, Josh. Thank you, Alan, for committing to doing a full fight in... Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't... Ooh. I'll take I, that as a yes. I think we can probably make that happen. Well, now it is in uh, written audio. In stone. Yeah, it's written in stone yeah. basically now. The, it's a binding that, contract. Will, Will has time. to be here though. That's a thing. That's, that's, uh, well, he's everywhere. That he, won't he be that hard. He has to be there for the episode. <laughs> yeah. we'll be there. And Steve has to be in town. Yeah. That, those I will. are the stipulations. When he is in town, I will drive up the Fidens and make it happen. All right. Sounds you good. Hear that? It's happening. <laughs> this is on you. I, I'll, I'll be there. We'll make sure this all works out. And it happens. Thank you for making that happen, Will. Thank you for controlling your potty mouth. You're and welcome. <laughs> love you as always. I love you too, bro. Uh, and thank you, DC Beer and Snallygaster, yes. for hey. allowing me to thank participate you. in today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. 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 Uh, Snally, one of the best events out there, people. Come next year. Come every year. And please get drunk and lay out in the streets so I can make fun of you and take pictures with you. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
Now I'm drinking my fucking Bojangles. Amazing. This is it. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.